Who's excited to be here? Wow, that's awesome. First service peeps, you guys are pumped to be here. You guys are pumped to be here. Somebody was telling me, I wanted to come to the 9 a.m. service to see who all the early risers are. Man, that's awesome. You guys are pumped. The, the family and I spent um, the last couple days out at Sebago Lake State Park uh, camping, and it was amazing. I feel rested. I feel great. So we're, I'm ready to preach, man. I'm pumped. I'm ready to preach. Turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. That's where we're going to start, Acts chapter 9. And then we're going to jump over to 2 Corinthians uh, in just a few moments if you want to put your finger there. But Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to start. And we're, we're going to wrap up um, talking about the essential that is the Gospel. And we've talked the last couple weeks about the Gospel. And the Gospel simply defined is what? Good news, right? The good news of who? Jesus, right? The good news of who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and the hope that is in Christ. And so we're going to talk about that. And to kind of illustrate this, um, the question that I want to ask as we lead into Acts chapter 9 is this question, what drives you? What drives you? I mean, when you think about that question, what, what just kind of pops into your mind? Like, what is that thing that, that pops into your mind that, that gets you out of bed in the morning, that gets, you excited, um, that gets you excited to get out of the house, that gets you excited to, to, to you know, go to sleep at night so that you can wake up the next morning? We were talking last night in our house. Um, we, were, we were catching up on, on some things and kind of wrapping the, the day up. And, and we looked at Ezra, our three-year-old now, and said, um, Hey, Ezzy, it's time to go to bed. we got church in the morning. Right? And he's like, I want to go to church because I want to get a donut. <laughs> right? And so, and so he, last night, he was easy to go to bed because what drove him was coming to church because he associates coming to church with getting a jelly donut from Dunkin' Donuts. And so, hey, it drives him, right? And, um, and so eventually, you know, isn't that awesome? And so, you know, he's so excited to come to church, minus the donut. But anyway, but... It, you get the picture. What drives you? What drives you? What drives us? And I want to look at what the driving force for the church was. Obviously, the gospel, but why? There were some results of the gospel. I want to look at Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 19. This is right after, and, I, and, and so we're going to kind of unfairly jump at the end of the story here of Paul's conversion. Acts chapter 9, the first part of Acts chapter 9, is where Paul um, gives his life to Christ. It's where he, he was saved on the Damascus road because Paul was on his way to persecute Christians. That's what Paul did. And, and not many people know that when they, when they know that Paul, who wrote the two-thirds of the New Testament, what, he, what his life was before Christ, he was a persecutor of Christians. And when he met Jesus, he was on his way to persecute even more Christians. And then God met him on that Damascus road, saved him radically. I love that story. We're going to talk about that story later in the summer. But I want to jump to the end of that story because right after um, in, in the second part of verse 19, for some days, he, being Paul, at this time he was still Saul, was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. Now, I want to make a couple observations here about this passage. Paul had just given his life to Christ, Saul, right? And immediately, you see that? And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues. But, but, but when did he go to seminary? When did he get training? 
When did he go through the, the, the discipleship class, the, the two seven series? When, when did he, wait a minute, wait a minute. That, that messes with our minds a little bit because when did, he, when did he do all of that? He didn't. Right? It says, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is the Son of God. What did he do? He preached the truth of who Jesus is. He preached the truth of who Jesus is. He didn't have to add anything to it. He didn't have to add anything to it. Oh, I wish I would have done this. Um, <clears throat> it's like, um, have, you, have you ever gotten one of those healthy drinks? Have you ever got one of those healthy drinks, like a, like a protein shake, one of those little smoothie things um, from, from the grocery store, from, from, that, from that section, right, that nobody goes to, but every time you go in the grocery store, you think you should go to that section, right? But nobody actually goes to that section. Anyway, some, some of you probably do, and that's awesome, good for you. I head straight to the ice cream, I'm not going to lie. Um, but... Uh, but, but there's, those, there's those fruit smoothie drinks, and, and, and years ago, I did this illustration where I got one of those fruit smoothie drinks, and, and, and you know, if we're honest with ourselves, you can tell yourself that you like that fruit smoothie drink, but it's nasty. It's just no good. I mean, and I'm proud of you for telling yourself that it's good and that you like it and that all of that stuff, like, good for you. Man, that's amazing. I'm proud of you. You keep going, crushing it. I'm going to keep eating my, my Vienna mocha chip ice cream, and, and, and we'll be all good in the hood. But, but, but it's just nasty. And so to better it, right, to better it, we add some things, right? We add some things, like a scoop of peanut butter, right? Protein. Um, or... Or, you know, we'll, we'll maybe add just a few M&M's. Or we'll maybe add some, some marshmallows just for a little fluffy flavor. Or, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll add some things to it to try to make it bearable. Or we'll add some juice. Or we'll add some of this. Or we'll add some of that. And eventually, all of the goodness that that smoothie was intended for is gone. Because you've added a bunch of junk into it. And so many times, that's what we do with the Gospel. So many times, that's what we do with the Gospel. What God intended, this message, this message that Paul preached, look at that simple message. Jesus is the Son of God. That's what He proclaimed. That's what He proclaimed. That was the gospel truth that he proclaimed immediately after God met him and he was saved radically on that road to Damascus from persecuting Christians now to making Christians. Beautiful transformation if you want to go back and read that and study that. I promise we're going to go back to it later on this summer. And then he immediately proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying he is the Son of God. I've got to move on. We're still in the introduction. Verse 21. And all who heard Him. And get this, look at the results of the Gospel. Look at the result of the untainted, simple Gospel. And all who heard Him were amazed. Were amazed. And said, is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? Who wreaked havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has He not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul... So notice that. Notice that the people that He was proclaiming to, they were amazed, but they didn't understand it all. And that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. 
They were amazed. They were amazed at the transformation. They saw the transformation. They knew something radical had happened, but they didn't understand it all. And we've got to be okay with the fact that they don't understand it all. It's not our job to bring understanding. It is our job to proclaim the good news. God will make clear what He needs to make clear to the people that He's trying to speak to. Remember when we talked about the Holy Spirit? Remember when we talked about the Holy Spirit? Evangelism, right? We talked a few weeks ago about how evangelism is joining God in the conversation that He's already having with people. Right? And joining God in the conversation that He's already having with people. So they're not going to understand it. They didn't understand it all, but they were amazed and that was okay. But Saul, verse 22, I want you to see, it didn't bother him. It didn't bother him, but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. That was what drove him from that moment on. He grew all the more in strength, confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. That proving that Jesus was the Christ, that's what got Paul out of the bed in the morning. That's what transformed his life. That was his ambition. That's what drove him. Ambition is the thing that moves people. Ambition literally means a burning passion or desire. An ambition to do something. Ambition is the thing that moves us. It's what drives us. It's the driving force. And for Paul, his ambition, his driving force, the thing that moved him was a passion for God and the gospel. And what I want to point out to you this morning, where we're going to go today, is that that passion for God and the good news of Jesus, the proclamation of Jesus, ought to be the driving force of the church. It's got to be our driving force. It's got to be the driving force of the church. Not, I mean, not, not all the wrappings, right? Because we get wrapped up. I get wrapped up. I'll be honest with you this morning. A little bit of vulnerability here. I'll be honest with you this morning. I get wrapped up, consumed, discouraged, all of those things with the wrappings. With the expectations of what church ought to be today. And isn't it refreshing to kind of sit back? Isn't it refreshing to kind of sit back and think, wow, the driving force of the church is the simple, non-tainted, not adding anything into it, smoothie of the Gospel. Jesus. 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 I mean, who, who grew up singing that song? I can't sing, so I'll just recite it, okay? They don't let me up here to sing because we want you to come back to church. But it's simply Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Some of you are starting to sing it. I can't remember the rest of it, but I'm going to go YouTube it when we're done here. There's just something about yeah, man. Oh, that's good. That's good. The simple gospel. We don't have to add anything to it. We certainly don't take anything away from it. 
but there's something about that name. And that was the driving force for Paul from that moment forward, that immediately, immediately, people were amazed and he proclaimed the good news of who Jesus was. Flip over to 2 Corinthians. We're going to pick up in Paul's life his second letter to the church at Corinth, chapter 5. Chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 9 and read through verses 21. I'm going to read it all and then we'll come back and we'll kind of make sense of the passage because there's three things I want to point out from this passage. Starting in verse 9. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. Okay, so Paul is writing here to the church at Corinth. I don't have time to get into all the backstory here, but the church at Corinth had some issues. They had some issues. They had some people that were bringing some false gospels up into the house that were confusing, causing confusion, um, causing uh, uh, you know, a, lot of, a lot of fighting, a lot of di- division, and, and, and all of that. And Paul is writing this letter, his second letter to the church at Corinth, and he's, and he's saying, so we make it our aim, right? So we make it our aim, whether we're at home, whether we're with the Lord, no matter where we are, home or away, we make it our aim to please Him, driving force, ambition, to please Him being Jesus, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is, also, is known also to your conscience. We're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of God, for the love of Christ controls us. Because we've concluded this, that one has died for all. Here's the gospel. Therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who might that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. Verse 16, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, verse 20, chapter 5, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. A lot there. There's a lot there. But before we get to the end, let's back up to the beginning. Because the gospel leads to some things. It's the driving force of the church. It's the driving force of the church if we'll let it be. And Paul's only passion and the passion he's trying to get the church at Corinth to, to buy into is this. To serve God. To follow the gospel. To, 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 to follow who Jesus is. Why? Because the gospel leads to some things. The first thing it leads to is this. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. 
Now, when, 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 when you think about this, when you talk about this, right, it's kind of this, the fear of the Lord is kind of this, um, um, this, this worship mindset. This worship mindset. I, I would, I would, I would uh, pr- probably say um, more of an awe of God. More of an awe of God. That I'm in awe of His presence. And out of the, the fear of the Lord, it leads me to an awe of God. But the reality is, we must all appear. Look there at verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Let's talk about this judgment seat for just a moment. The judgment seat of Christ is that future event when God's people will stand before our Savior and be judged and rewarded. Be judged and rewarded. Paul was ambitious for the Lord. Paul was ambitious for the Lord because he wanted to meet Jesus with confidence and not with shame. He was ambitious for the Lord. The the gospel moved him because he wanted to meet God with confidence and not with shame. Have you ever gone have you ever gone home for a family dinner and you didn't want to have to walk in shame? You wanted to walk in confidently and so you tried to cover some things up? I will never forget the first time I came home to meet Kristen's mom. We, we were ready. We were pumped. We went and got steak, and I was going to grill her a steak. And so she had this little camping grill, right? So I went out. It was like Thanksgiving week. It was colder than it ever should have been because I was a North Carolina boy in Maine at Thanksgiving time. And, and went out back to put the grill, the steaks on the grill. Now, this, this little grill had these handles that closed up front, right? And I was really trying to impress, man. I was really trying to impress. I knew I was going to marry Kristen by this point. I just still had to convince Kristen and her mom that it was a good idea. Okay? And so I'm pumped, man. I'm trying to put my best foot forward. You know, I'm try, trying to do all this stuff. And it was like a true meet the parents moment. If you've ever seen that movie, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but... But, but the, the, the handles of this grill, I, I pulled them off, you know, I set the grill right on the deck, threw the steaks on there, you know, all pumped, and here comes Kristen's mom pulling in the driveway, and I thought, here, here we go, here we go, this is going to be awesome, it's going to be great. And she walks up really concerned, looking at her deck, looking at the bottom of her deck, and I thought, what's, what's up? I think I'm doing a good job here, I'm doing a good thing, I'm making steaks, I'm making dinner, I'm the man, I can take care of your daughter. And she looks at me very calmly, way more calm than I would have been in this situation. And she said, I think my deck's on fire. (laughs) And I said, that's impossible. I'm the guy here, Kyle over here, he's looking, he's not surprised at all. Anyway, (laughs) he knows me well. And, uh, and, 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 and I'm looking and I'm like, this is impossible. You know, I've got this. I can handle this. I can take care of your daughter. And sure enough, those handles that close the grill are also the feet. They're supposed to come around and swivel and be the legs on the grill to keep the grill off of the deck to prevent said burning deck. <sighs> Thankful for grace. She didn't throw me out. Took me a little bit longer, but I finally, you know, and here we are. But you've probably got some similar stories where you tried to put your best foot forward, where you were trying to, trying to do some things, and then boom, right? Then boom. Paul wanted to meet 
Christ with confidence. He wanted to appear before God with full confidence, saying, hey, look at the testimony of my life. Look at the testimony of my life. Look at the testimony of my life. The deck's not on fire. Look at the testimony of my life. He wanted to appear before this judgment seat. Let's go back to the judgment seat. The term judgment seat comes from the Greek word bima. Everybody say bima. Very good. Bima. The Greek word bima, which was the platform in Greek towns and cities where decisions were handed down by rulers. It was also the place where they handed out the Olympic medals. This was the judgment seat. It it was a place of reckoning. It was a place to give account. It was a place where things would be handed down. Things would be handed out. And if we had been faithful as we approached the judgment seat, then it would be a place of reward and recognition. I want you to notice what's going to be examined at that judgment seat. Not how many roles you took at VBS. Not how many sermons or how many times you did this or how many times you did that. What's going to be examined is our faithfulness. What's going to be examined is our faithfulness. Faithfulness with what's right in front of us. The motivation of our hearts. The important thing is not the reward itself, but the joy of serving Jesus, Paul talks about. So, he says, we persuade men. We persuade men. We persuade men. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Look at verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. What's Paul talking about here? First of all, the Gospel leads to the fear of the Lord. Second of all, the Gospel leads to the love of Christ. The Gospel leads to the love of Christ. In fact, the Gospel is the love of Christ, but the Gospel leads to to us loving Christ. The love of Christ that controls us. For the love of Christ controls us. How can such opposite emotions as fear and love dwell in the same heart? Certainly, they're found in the hearts of children who love their parents yet respect them in their, thor- in their authority. Psalm chapter 2, verse 11 says this, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. See, what Paul is talking about here is that Jesus died that we might die. He died that we might live, but He also died that we might share in this new creation. The hope of the Gospel, our new relationship to Jesus, has brought about a new relationship to the world and the people around us. We no longer look the way we used to. In the same way, we no longer look at the world the way we used to. We have this eternal perspective. The love of Christ controls us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We look differently. We look differently. Then look at verse 18. So the Gospel leads to the fear of the Lord. The Gospel leads to the love of Christ. And then number three, the Gospel leads to a fresh 
perspective. Look at verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself. We're going to talk about this word reconciled. It comes up quite a bit here in these few verses. Reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal to the world through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. A fresh perspective. The basic meaning of this word reconcile is this. To change thoroughly. To change thoroughly. That's the basic meaning of this this word reconcile. To change thoroughly. To make complete. To make complete. Because the reality is, the reality is that when we look at when we look at reconciliation, right, Jesus brought man and God together again. We talked about that last week. Jesus brought man and God together again through the work of the gospel. To change thoroughly. To make complete. And then we see this commission of Christ. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making His appeal to the world through us. Ambition is the thing that moves people. A passion for God and the Gospel is the driving force of the church. A fresh perspective. That the reason that we do, the reason that we do what we do, the reason that we do what we do as the church of Jesus Christ is not for entertainment, is not to make people feel good, but as ambassadors for Christ, carrying out this ministry of reconciliation to change thoroughly, to make complete, to share the hope that is in Christ. This relationship with Him. Isn't that awesome? You know, my question for us this morning, what would it look like if we all lived with such a passion for God and the Gospel that there was no fear, that we were consumed with love, and that we had a fresh perspective when we looked at the people in front of us, that God's placed there? Where do you stand with the Gospel? What does the Gospel mean to you? What's your driving force? What's your ambition? What's the thing that wakes you up in the morning? I don't don't know where I got this from. I think it was somebody south of Washington, D.C. And you'll understand that in just a second. If you always do what you've always done, then you always get what you've always got. Did you get that? If you always do what you've always done, then you always get what you've always got. One more time for the people over here. If you've always done... (laughs) Jeff's nodding his head like, yes, I need it one or two or ten more times. It's a good thing you'll be in the second service too. If you always do what you've always done, then you'll always get what you've always got. It's that definition of insanity, right? doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. God will meet us at the level of our expectation. 
walking in on Sunday morning just expecting the same old thing. Do a song. Travis is going to get up and do a welcome. We'll do a couple more songs. Then Ian's going to come up and talk about a camp a VBS video when it's really a Camp 207 video. Ha, 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 ha. Knee slapper. Then Travis will preach and then we'll have a song and then Travis will get back up and close us for the day. Instead of walking in and saying, God, what do you want to teach me today? What do you want to do in me today? What do you want to change in me today? What do you want to reveal in me today? Because I'll tell you, so many mornings I wake up, so many mornings I wake up, and the Gospel of Jesus is not the first thought that comes into my mind. The good news of Jesus, the hope that is in Christ, the people that I'm going to meet that day that might need to be encouraged from the Gospel is not necessarily the first thing that, that hits my mind when I wake up. Eight days out of seven most of the time, it's what am I going to eat for breakfast? Shows you where my heart is. What would it take for the driving force of your heart, for the driving force of your life to become the gospel of Jesus. The good news of Jesus. He gives a commission here. Paul gives a commission here. Therefore, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're on the front lines of the army of Jesus. God making His appeal through us. We have a job. The Gospel has given us a responsibility. In the fear of the Lord and the love of Christ with a fresh perspective, God has given us a responsibility for the Gospel to share the hope and the love that is in Him. And when we meet Christ one day, when we meet Christ one day, it's not going to be all about the stuff that we've done, all about the things or, or this or that, but it's going to be about our faithfulness to the Gospel. It'll be about your faithfulness to the Gospel. It'll be about my faithfulness to the Gospel. And how we shared about the hope that was in Him. If we do what we've always done, then we'll get what we've always got. Let's get something different. Let's get something different. Let's be driven and ambitious for the Gospel. The worship team is going to come. They're going to sing a song that I think is perfect for a message like this to kind of wrap up talking about the gospel and here's what I want you to think about every head bowed every eye closed just listen to my voice let's just do an assessment on a scale of one to five where is the gospel as the driving force of your life On a scale of 1 to 5, where is the gospel for the driving force of your life? When you wake up in the morning, on a scale of 1 to 5, where does the gospel fit into what drives you for the day? For some of you, you may say a 4, you may say a 5, you may say a 2. Wherever it is, wherever it is, wherever you would say, maybe a 0, maybe a 1. The question I want to ask you is, what would it take you to get from a 1 to a 2? What would it take you to get from a 3 to a 4? What would it take for you this week, for tomorrow, when, you, when your alarm clock goes off, when you roll out of bed, what would it take for you for your first thought to be, man, Jesus is good. 
How can I be faithful with Him today? How can I be faithful for Him today? How can I live out of the fear of the Lord? How can I live out of the love of Christ for me? How can I make Jesus Lord of my life? How can I live with a brand new perspective today that it's not about, like we talked about last week, it's not about what people say about me. It's not about the stuff that I have. It's not about the things that I do. It's about the good news of who Jesus is and that He loved me enough that He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on my behalf that I might become the righteousness of God in Him. Do you... Wow! God the Father made Jesus a perfect, sinless being to be sin. God made Him to who knew no sin, who was perfect, to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God, the good news, the, 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 the goodness of who God is, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That we might become in right standing with God. Something that we don't deserve. Grace. I love the way that Rick Warren spells out grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's that verse. God's riches at Christ's expense. He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become in right standing with God. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but, but for me, that just screams love. That just screams love. That there is a God that desires relationship with us so much that He made His Son who was perfect and sinless to be sin on our behalf. So that we would have hope to be in right standing with Him. May that be the driving force of our lives because I believe that all the people around us, even us ourselves, I don't know about you, but for me, I could, I could use a little of that love this morning. I believe people are wreaking havoc on themselves and other people around them because they're searching for a love like that. You can't find it in your kids. You can't find it in your friendships. You can't even find it in your marriage. That type of love can only come from one place. That is the good news of who Jesus is. That is the simple Gospel that we don't add anything to we don't take anything away. We're so tempted. We're so tempted. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just, just hear these words. We're so tempted. We're so tempted to take the judgment seat piece out of that. Because we don't want to think about that. That doesn't feel good. That's not a nice thought that I'm going to stand before God one day and be judged. But we have such a 
distorted view of what that judgment's going to be like. We think it's going to be a judgment like the way that we judge others and criticize others and all of that. No, 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 no. God wants to see your faithfulness. How faithful were you to Him in that moment the other day? May the good news that we've just talked about be the driving force of our lives. May the good news that we just talked about be the driving force of Summit. In Jesus' name.